Now keeping your eyes closed and the inward gaze. We're going to be listening to these words from Aff Affirmation for Self-Healing by Swami Kriyananda. This week's is humility. Humility is not self-deprecation. It is self-forgetfulness. It is knowing that God alone is the doer. It is the realization that nothing in this shadow world of appearances is all that important, except that it draws closer to the Lord. Never tell yourself that you are a sinful or weak or incompetent or lazy, except as such statements may help you to surrender the joyful, the joyful, joyfully to God's power. Then live by thy power. <clears throat> Never wear the mask of false humility. Humility is self-acceptance, self-honesty. You have a right to all power if you seek it in infinity and if you never hold the thought that it resides in your little self. Now we're going to do the affirmation first out loud and then a medium voice, uh, softly whispering and then mentally. And just bring a lot of power into this affirmation. I live by thy power, Lord. What I have is ever thine, ever thine. Softer. I live by thy power, Lord. What I have is ever thine, ever thine. Whispering now. I live by thy power, Lord. What I have is ever thine, ever thine. And now mentally, I live by thy power, Lord. What I have is ever thine, ever thine. Thou art the, do the doer, Lord, not I. Express thy perfection through me as I strive eagerly to live in thy light. And from grace of the one light, the weekly commentaries of the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita, by Swami Kriyananda. This week is, how high should we aspire? The truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness within in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. The passage this week is from the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 5. I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. The easiest explanation for these words is that they were spoken in criticism of the scribes and Pharisees, particularly since Jesus was often verbally attacked by them and stood up to them fiercely. However, it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't have been much of a challenge to the disciples who aspired to spiritual perfection to tell them, don't be like those who lack any such aspiration. Jesus, in fact, says only a few verses later, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. What Jesus was referring to here then was the self-righteousness of the priest don't seek perfection, he was saying to his disciples, in the image you project towards others. Don't be satisfied with goodness born merely of ego definitions. 
the highest virtue is to transcend the very thought of personal virtue into the realization of God alone as the doer. Before this realization, even the thought, I am kind or I am truthful, is self-limiting. As it says in the Bhagavad Gita, the seventh chapter, yet hard the wise Mahatman is to find that man who saith, all is Vasudev. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. I'd like to welcome you all to our Sunday service being broadcast here from the Temple of Light in Ananda Village. Wherever you are, thank you for joining us. My name is Atman, this is Bhakti Marg. Uh, we both serve here at Ananda Village. And thank you for being with us. Let's start, let's continue with Whispers from Eternity, a reading by, from Yogananda's Prayer Demands. This is Divine Mother, come thyself into the waiting temple of our love. Divine Mother, be thou the only flame shining on the altar of our hearts. Burn away any darkness that lurks there. Divine Mother, be thou the only fragrance rising from the incense of our love for thee. Permeate any dark nook in the hearts also of those we love. In our tears of love for thee, wash away what attraction we feel for material objects. In our tears of communion with thee, wash away all the sorrows of earth forevermore. Divine Mother, unite our separate hearts into one great love, wherein thy omnipresence can rest forever and forever. Teach us to behold our latent perfection in the clear mirror of thy divinity. Let the altar flame of our love for thee rise in triumph, shaming the little hissing sparks of all earthly desires. O Divine Mother, may our love be a shooting star, racing gloriously through dark skies of forgetfulness, cutting its way through dark thunderclouds of worldly preoccupation. Divine Mother, a million distractions have come to lure us away from thoughts of thee. Thou thyself, in order to test us, hast offered false substitute fulfillments, pompous temple ceremonies to satisfy the egos of worldly people, religious organizations shouting, salvation can only come through serving this work, priests and ministries offering the gospel, God will bless you if you give us money. O oh, Mother, I have done with such outward shows in thy name. I await thee now in the inner temple of my love. Steal softly into this silent temple, Mother. With lambent flame, banish the darkness of my long ignorance. And grant me safety in thy ever-shining bliss. I think we're, many of us have heard the Chinese proverb that may you be blessed to live in interesting times. Well, I think it's fair to say that we've made it. We're in interesting times. And it's not hard to see that these times are interesting. And they're not necessarily comfortable. Why aren't they comfortable? Because they challenge us. They challenge the ego. They challenge the patterns of energy that we've established to deal with the delusions of this world, with the maya that comes to us, that's getting shaken up. 
And that shaking causes a little fear, a little anxiety. But more importantly, it causes us to redirect energy, to make some changes in our life, to decide what it is that's important, what it is we want to do, how it is we're going to go forward. And I think that's what the great blessing is, that the opportunity we have is to really take a look and be, be clear about what it is that we need to do. Be clear as what it is our energy, where it needs to go. And, you know, maybe take a step back from those ego habits that we had that made it all look sort of normal. Because what, what does the ego do? The ego likes to look at the world and even, even as we're on the spiritual path, the ego still likes to put things in understanding. It likes to categorize maya. It likes to think it's in charge. And so, okay, all these things work. When that gets broken up, we have a chance to really look behind that and really question some things. I'm reminded of the story, one of my favorites in the Mahabharata, where Yudhishthira and his brothers are out in the forest in their exile, and they're thirsty. And they see a lake off in the distance, and he sends one of the brothers, goes off, and there's a presence in the lake that asks questions. And if you don't answer the question right, uh, you can't drink from the lake. Well, the brothers drink from the lake anyway, and they fall down dead. And another brother goes, and another brother goes, and another. And finally, only Yudhishthira is left. And he goes to drink from the lake. And he starts answering these questions. And since he is the embodiment of truth and dharma, he answers these questions, and he answers correctly. And the, the one I wanted to, I was remembering today for the service was, the question is, what is the most incredible thing in the world? And the answer is, that we live our lives surrounded by disease and death, yet we live our lives as if we were immortal. And isn't that true? We live all the time as if we are going to live forever, that this pattern is going to continue. Well, guess what? These interesting times have shaken us up a little bit. And they say, you know, we are seeing disease and death a little bit closer up. We are starting to question, are we really immortal? Well, we're not. And is, uh there's another story, Yogananda, when he was uh, a boy, he was meditating in, his, in Garpar Road, his meditation room, and all of a sudden he was transferred to the battlefield. World War I was happening at the time, and he was a captain on a ship, and his ship was being bombarded, and there were shells coming in, and the, one of them sank the ship, and he started swimming towards shore, and just as he reached shore, a, a bullet caught him in the heart, and he looked down at his dying body and saw himself leaving that body. And he, he felt that passage of death. And then all of a sudden he was transformed back into his meditation room. He's going, oh, I'm alive. Oh, thank God, yes. What was that? Oh, okay, I'm in my body. I'm okay, I'm alive. And then, boom, the sheen shifted again, shifted again. And he was back on the battlefield and he was bleeding and he, was, he had left his body and he was dying. And he shifted back to his meditation room. He called out and he said, Divine Mother, am I dead or am I alive? And Divine Mother said, You are neither. You are the immortal soul. Death is as much of an illusion as your life. Cling to me. Cling to that one soul source within and know that that is your true reality. And that's the message for us in these times. Cling to that one soul source, that one true reality. So how can this help us, these interesting times? 
Well, one thing is we're being forced to have a little bit more simplicity in our lives. And how often do we blame the restlessness of, of all the billboards, all the advertisements, all the traffic, the commute, the going back and forth, seeing all these things? How often do we blame that for our, our restlessness? Well, now's our chance that uh, our universe has shrunk down. Most of us are pretty much inside our houses. It's a pretty simple universe. I mean, we're still doing some of our service. Many, many aren't. Many are doing new service, taking care of children in ways they've never have. But that simplicity of that life can, can really help us to establish new habit patterns. Because the old habits, the old ways our energy went during the day aren't there anymore. So what are we going to do with that excess energy or that, that change, that freed up, as Jyotish and Devi were talking about? Habits rule so much of what we do. Now's a chance where we can really look. Where did that energy used to go? And where can I bring it back to now? And so the same forces of the world are still there. The forces of separateness, of delusion, satanic forces of anger, fear, greed, hatred, jealousy, anxiety. Those forces are there. They're being amplified in some ways by what's going on. But they're also the forces of unity are there, the forces that bring us back to oneness, the forces for God. We have to remember that there's no disruption in the divine supply chain right now. There are no grace factories in China that are being put tariffs on and being shut down. There are no grace manufacturers in the Midwest who are dealing with outbreaks of illness in their workforce. The divine channels don't go through the usual supply chains. And that divine grace is always there. It's still flowing. Matter of fact, now it's probably more open than ever because it's drawing on us. And what disrupts the divine supply chain of grace? It's us. It's our restlessness. It's our lack of focus. It's our disruptive forces, anger, fear, greed, hatred, and jealousy. When we're in those, we're not able to receive that grace that comes. But when we're open to it, that divine grace is always there. We can always tune into it. We can always bring that into our lives. And there's some interesting things that start to happen maybe in this time in our lives, some things that we see that maybe we didn't see as we reestablish some habits. And because they're new, it gives us a chance to maybe be a little bit more cognizant, maybe to extract those tentacles of ego that make us seem this is normal and not question it. So as we change our habits and as we do new things with our time, Let's be aware of, are we going towards unity? Is this bringing us joy? Or am I going towards separation? Is this taking me in the other direction? For example, a common thing, which many of us, myself included, seem to have gotten into is trying to stay up on what's going on. And we're taking in more media, more news, more things. Okay, what's happening in the world? What's gonna go on? What's next? What's the next step? How does this work? And you have to ask yourself, okay, I just read this huge, long news feed. I just listened to the media. And what happened? Well, I might have gotten really a little anger at our commander-in-chief or at some other things that were the brunt of my anger. Does that help anything? Am I really going to change anything by being angry at the commander-in-chief? Probably not. And how do I feel when that happens? 
what's happening to my thing inside? Or when it's just really all too much and I have a Netflix subscription and it's all free and I can binge watch a whole season of Downton Abbey or West Wing or, or any of my favorite shows and you know, I just need to disconnect. I'm just gonna do that. And three hours later or five hours later, how do I feel? How does that make me feel? Yeah, I've escaped for a while, but what's it do inside? Is that the right thing? Am I going towards separation? Am I going toward unity? Or am I just going down into a tamasic state? And let's look. I mean, I didn't used to binge watch three hours of things. So I can really see it. I have a comparison here. I did this, this is new. Is this a good thing? Okay, let's, let's evaluate. Let's also evaluate, you know, <clears throat> I'm gonna raise my energy. I'm gonna meditate longer. I just did a three hour meditation. It wasn't easy because there's nothing sort of pushing me to do that. There's nothing helping me to do that, but I overcame that. I redirected energy that I had and I did that. How did I feel after that? I just went out for a walk. I was walking with Divine Mother, looking at this beautiful spring weather we have here. How did I feel after that? Was that the right thing? Is that better than binge watching? I don't know, just be aware. It doesn't mean you have to go all one way or another, but as we shift energy in this time, let's look at where that energy is going and what that does for us. Now we might also find that there's some interesting things that come up and this gets back a little bit to the reading that we are looking at today of some very subtle uh, things that we need to look at in our personality that in the busyness and restlessness of every day, we may not be so aware of these things. But now in these special times, they can come a little bit more into focus. For example, how many times in the past have we said, you know, I am just way too busy serving. I've got way too much to do to really get in a nice long sadhana. And you know what I have to do is really important and so my meditation isn't gonna be as long. I'm gonna, you know, I'm just, I've got way too much to do. Well, guess what? Right now, we probably don't have as much as left to do. So we could always think, yeah, I'm gonna certainly, I'm gonna be meditating more. And this was a sort of a wake up call for me, not now, but a f a f some years back when my son was quite young and we were involved in raising, you know, child rearing and family and job, and it was a busy time. And, and at one point, uh, Bhakti Marg and my son Mark took a trip to Spain, and I stayed home because I had to work. I was here doing things. I didn't get to go. So I was thinking, oh, finally. I know I don't have the obligations of family. I'm just here by myself, and I'm going to meditate a whole lot more. I'm going to do all these things that my ego said I was wishing I was doing but didn't really want to do in any way. But all those things that I could have done, well, what happened? Did I really do a lot more meditation during that period? When they came back, I sort of uh, wistfully looked back and said, you know, I didn't really take advantage of that as I did. I didn't really put out the energy to change a habit and rise up. I, my energy went somewhere a little bit more down. I started uh, I remember I was watching sports on the Olympics or something, and that kind of took up some of my extra time. But, so be aware, you know, those excuses that you had before aren't necessarily there anymore. And just be honest with yourself. Which way am I going? You know, is it really the busyness, or is it just 
my restless nature that's keeping me from doing this. And even eliminating some of that restlessness, am I really able to go where I want to go? Or how do I take those steps? There's another one that's uh, sort of interesting and it speaks again to this reading. And that's the, the influence of others. And it says, uh, you know, be, be aware we so often get pushed one way or another by our environment, by people influencing us. Well, guess what? We're self-isolated. We don't have as much influence as we had before. We have a lot more control over that influence. But we can really say, okay, how much is it that influence of others? And, you know, we always need to remember that, uh, that beautiful, funny story that Yogananda tells of, of the boy and the man and his donkey. And the boy and the man are taking this donkey to market and they want it to arrive fresh at market so that it's, they don't ride on it, so they, it doesn't tire the donkey out and he gets the best price. Somebody comes by and says, oh, look at those fools. There's a perfectly good donkey and he's making that boy walk, so he puts the boy on the donkey. And then another person comes by and says, oh, what is this? Look at this. The, this boy who could easily walk is making his poor father walk. It should be the father that's on the donkey, so they switch. And then they, again, another one comes by and says, well, what is this? There's, you know, there's a, a man here and his son, and they both could be on this donkey. Why should this donkey be getting a free ride? So they both get on the donkey. And then, of course, the next person comes by and says, oh, these poor, these people, look what they're doing to this poor little donkey. They have a man and a boy on the donkey, and it's gonna, you're gonna, this donkey's gonna be driven to its death. And the man just gets fed up with it all, throws the donkey off the bridge and goes home. So <laughs> we, we always have to be aware of what all those messages are saying to us. And as we filter a lot of those out of our lives, we can gain a little bit more awareness of what those messages were doing to us, how they were affecting us, how they were uh, influencing what we, we said and did. And, you know, this can be in, in two ways. And... I think for those of us who live in spiritual community or who have been connected with uh, a spiritual works can appreciate this. So we're, we're both less influenced by those that are drawing us outward into materialism, which is good. Maybe it's your co-workers if you work in a job outside in the society, maybe it's your family, maybe it's you know, your spouse or friends who aren't on the path. And, you know, they've faded away a little bit. You're not necessarily as in contact with them as you were. You're not necessarily being pushed by all the billboards out there and the materialism. But you also may not be being pushed as much by your spiritual friends. And you might be missing that support, that satsang, which is really important, that company with truth seekers of helping bring us into those helpful habits. And, you know, do we... Do we meditate as much when, um, you know, the people who, who we think might be watching us don't notice that we're not at morning meditation in the temple? I mean, nobody's really watching you, but, you know, there are these subtle things in our lives, these subtle influences from outside. As it says in the readings, ideally, it's, we need to get beyond all those influences, even if they're good influences, even if we're thinking, this is what I should do. Again, it's, it's we haven't really reached perfection until it doesn't even come up as a question. In the short term, the good influences aren't necessarily a bad thing. And we might want to do, if we recognize, 
yeah, nobody knows if I'm meditating or not. And guess what? My meditation fell off a little bit here. Well, we might want to get some of those influences back because that's pushing us in the right direction. And those influences could be having a meditation buddy, somebody who, who joins with you, somebody you're connected with, connecting with online communities. Uh, we have lots and lots of things going out from ananda.org that you can keep connected. There's places all around the world. There's meditations that are still happening. You know, these, these influences help us. And if we're not there yet to be completely on our own in seclusion and isolation, doing what we'd like to see ourselves doing, bring those influences back in. There's yet another uh, subtle influence, again, that speaks to the reading this time. And as it says in Matthew, that uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, many pious men wear offer their alms in public. And what effect does the ego have on trying to get in there and grab, grab the, the, the um, just be able to grab the benefit of some things that we do spiritually. Grab the acclaim, grab the appreciation, and say, you know, jump in there. It's like, Swami, and like we said in the affirmation, and Swami, when he first came to Master, uh, started working to become more humble. And he, he recognized that he had had a certain intellectual bent and a certain superiority, arrogance maybe, and he really started working on that. And then to his horror, he became aware one time that he, his ego was trying to jump in and get, be proud for the humility that he was that he was experiencing. So, you know, you gotta be careful. The ego will jump in there with anything. And what's important about this time is what we're doing may not be so visible to others. And is that little voice coming up about, you know, yes, I was really kind to this person or I did something, I was down at the mail room and I, you know, did something or I pulled some weeds and nobody saw me. And, you know, hey, nobody's really appreciating me. How come that's not gonna work? Well, forget it. That's just the ego. I mean, if we're, it helps us to see, yeah, we still have a little bit of work to do. We're still trying to move in that direction of getting away from the ego, trying to grab credit for all these things we do. We should certainly still do all those things. We should still be humble. We should forget ourselves. Not self-deprecation, self-forgetfulness. We should put those things out there. We should be looking for ways that we can serve ways that we can help. We may just be praying for people. It may be offering your meditation. And you're probably not going to get the recognition that you might have used to. Or, you know, if nobody sees you, is this still a spiritual act? Absolutely. God sees you in everything you do. And ultimately, that's the only outside opinion that is important. And it's just the ego. It's just the ego in there trying to grab credit for all these things that happen. So, it's a chance, there's some, a window that's opened here that we can look at. And do we get discouraged by seeing some of these things? No, as it says in the affirmations, uh, I accept with gratitude my faults because only then can I work on them and change them. So accept these opportunities with gratitude that we have an opportunity to look a little bit. We've, this crisis has opened a little bit of a window and we can look through it. We may not exactly like what we see all the time, but that doesn't matter. The important thing is that we're moving still, we can see things, and we can take this as an opportunity to see things that we may not have seen otherwise. 
that we can move forward on this path. So it's, how do we do that? And of course, the most important thing is to see God as the doer. This is what the reading this week was all about. And it's just get past all these tentacles of ego. And just, you know, we just have to realize that the struggle, you know, the, the struggle towards self-realization is just an ongoing struggle against the ego for everybody, in every case, in everything. And it's just there until it's not there. And we just have to keep moving forward. And how do we see God as the doer? There was one thing that was very, it's been very helpful for me because when you first hear see God as a doer, you tend to think of it sort of an intellectual way and say, okay, God is a doer. God, you're doing this before me, for me. God, you're here, you're doing this. But if it, if it remains just an intellectual concept of God is doing this through me, okay, right, God is doing this through me, it doesn't, it doesn't really take hold. It doesn't really have that much reality and it's soon forgotten and we're back into our rational intellectual way of doing things and that's what's moving us forward. So one of the things that Swami wrote that was very interesting and helped me is to say, you have to have a perception of God's presence in order to feel that God is the doer. And that perception might be uh, overwhelming love. It might be a bursting joy. It might be uh, a sense of, of just uh, a peace that, that's inside, uh, just a contentment. Whatever aspect of God or guru or the divine mother, but get that first. And once you have that through meditation, through our practices, then you can transfer some of that and you can say, okay, that's the source, that joy, that love, that peace. I'm just a channel and it coming through me is what's working. That is how God can be the doer. It can come through us. And it's gonna be a long journey, but I think we can say, let's look at this, these times we're in, these opportunities as just saying, here's another chance to take a different perspective. Here's another chance to keep putting one foot in front of the other as we try to perfect ourselves and seeing God as a doer, as getting rid of the ego, as moving forward on the spiritual path. Let's just keep putting one foot in front of the other and see this for the great opportunity it is. Is there anywhere on earth perfect freedom, sorrows, good, selfless friendship, blameless birth, cherish these, not else has worth. Is there anywhere on earth perfect freedom, sorrows, good, selfless friendship, blameless birth, cherish these, not Yeah.